0: Hello and welcome back to JLXP. It has been a while and uh, in some ways a lot of things have changed and in in some ways a lot of things haven't changed. The the last episode, uh, I looked it up, of JLXP was done on April 16th of 2020, shortly after the start of the pandemic and right before I cast the spring finals of 2020. Since then a lot of things have happened. I coached TL for about 14 months, went to Worlds, resigned, took a break from league, and started up casting the LCS again for the spring split of 2022 uh, under, you know, in a freelance basis. So uh, where we are now is we're at February 1st, 2022, so almost 22 months later since the last episode of JLXP. Uh, as you can notice, There's a a new logo. This is a little bit of an updated, refreshed JLXP. It is not affiliated with Riot whatsoever. Uh, This is definitely my thing. And, you know, I kind of went back to my roots. And in 2016, in January 14th, I posted a uh, NALCS Spring Split 2016 power ranking. And I thought, you know, why not? do another one for 2022 in a somewhat similar format. So the way this is going to work with JLXP in general is I'm going to be having it posted on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Occasionally, the YouTube element will have some video support, but I never want to make this a podcast that you have to watch. I very much want it to maintain the same feel of the original JLXP where it was a fairly short and digestible like 20 to 40 minutes and very rarely going above that unless there's some very special reason. So that's kind of the vibe that I'm going to be going for with JLXP. I'm going to be trying to do at least one episode a week, but maybe more if there's a lot of really big news and a lot of things that I think are worthy of discussion. I'm going to cover that. Some of the episodes like this are going to be just me but I'll also try and work in guests where it's appropriate. So I, I'm i just really excited to bring this back. But without further ado, I do want to get into the actual power ranking. So I have uh, one almost definition I want to give to these power rankings. So what is specifically this power ranking? This is not a let's crunch a bunch of data together and give you a way of predicting games from week one. This is a prediction of what the spring split records are going to be in eight weeks time when the double round Robin has been completed. So it's hard to put that into like a specific title, but that's what I'm trying to do here is almost project what the spring playoff bracket is going to look like. So that's going to take into account if I think players arrived late and it's going to take a while for the teams to gel. Therefore, their record is going to be a little bit worse at the start of the split and they'll only be able to catch up so much by the end of it. Or if a team is really ready to go right now, hit the ground running and catch a bunch of wins, Right, that's going to be reflected in the standings as well. And another thing that I think is important to note, and this was so evident last year, especially a little bit more behind the scenes, how there are almost two tiers of LCS teams. So there's there's the group of teams that I feel like their whole culture is about needing to win the split, needing to be the best team in the LCS. And they all compete with each other in terms of spending and big free agents. And then you'll have almost the second tier where their funding isn't as strong. They don't spend nearly as much money. Last year, the drop-off between that top five group and that bottom five group I think was bigger than ever uh, because I was obviously less involved in this offseason. I don't know exactly if it's the same gap, but I don't imagine too much will have changed. So, to define those two groups you really only have to look at the results from the 2021 season and to nobody's real surprise uh, even though there was a lot of up and down during the season the top 5 teams as i've uh, if you're watching on YouTube i accidentally clicked on the on the academy season instead of the LCS season so give me one second for the For the visual support but to nobody's surprise the top five spenders uh tsm 100 thieves evil geniuses cloud9 and team liquid not specifically in that order i think it's gonna i know steve has said this in an interview so i feel safe sharing it as well like team liquid was not the biggest spender in 2021 there were multiple teams that were above them in spend even though they have a reputation of just outspending everyone there's there really are those five teams that compete hard in terms of trying to get the very best roster. And then you have the teams below them that all try and be creative, right? Those five teams are Dignitas, Immortals, Golden Guardians, FlyQuest, and CLG. And there was definitely like a little bit of a mid-tier last year where CLG, I think probably had a higher budget than a lot of those other teams and obviously didn't perform, which is why they had such a huge roster and staff upheaval this year but that's that's the 5 and 5. So in terms of evaluating expectations going into the season, if it is it's 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 tough, you know, to be a favorite, but if those top 5 teams don't finish top 5, that's a failure and a disappointment. And if those bottom 5 teams break into the top 5, that's almost greatly exceeding expectations. So with that primer done, I'll get into the rankings. And instead of going 10 to 1, I am going to go 1-10. to 10. So I'm going to get this out of the way real quick. And the number one team that I think will be in the regular season spring split standings at the end of the spring split is going to be TL. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> it's, it makes sense based on the type of roster construction that they were able to do during the offseason. In particular, I definitely think that Bwippo and Core JJ, assuming, this is assuming that Core is able to play. They haven't had the official announcement yet. They keep saying that his green card is going to arrive. But if they get this roster together Bwippo, Santorin, Bjergsen, Hansama, Sama, and Core JJ, the combination of Whippo's ability to make creative plays on the map and core's ability to generate kind of reliable systematic advantages and knowing how to play with the lead is possibly magical. Like I really, really, really can't wait to see the these two players play together. I know in the off season there is the rumor of like Birrkson coming back. And really wanting to play with that one player. Everybody assumes it is Core JJ. I also assume that. So the Bjerks and Core JJ is interesting. But to me, it is actually Bwippo and Core JJ. And watching how they can work together on the map is gonna be so exciting to me. And the second reason I have this team ranked first here is because I do think with the teleport changes, not being able to teleport to something other than a turret before 14 minutes does make your ability to 2v2 bot more important than your ability to say 1v1 in the top lane or 1v1 in the mid lane. Because in terms of how the first 14 minutes of the game are going to play out, the bottom lane is your best way of impacting the rest of the map. And just let me explain that. It's because there's two people down there and the support is the one who can leave. Like it used to be easier if you could get mid control or top control to push somebody in and then teleport to, to affect another area of the map. You can still recall on a good timing, go affect an area of the map and teleport top. But there's an added layer of difficulty to have large map presence before 14 minutes from both the mid and top lane. But that layer of difficulty wasn't added to the bot lane. So it's something Core has always been extremely good at. Winning lane and then roaming. Very rarely did Core actually lose lane and roam or just like abandon someone on an island. He was always someone who was super, super good at finding that advantage bot lane so he could push it to the rest of the map. So you'll probably notice throughout this entire ranking, I'm going to Put a little bit more weight into how strong I think a team's bottom lane is going to be in lane, even to projecting their success. So, Lock in Champions, even without Core JJ, Team Liquid is number one on my list. And the team they played against in the finals, EG, is not number two on my list. It's Hundred Thieves, the defending LCS champs. And this one, uh, I can defend. By the logic that I just said about bottom lane being so important, I, I do think FBI and Huhi were the best bottom lane in 2021, and I don't see a big reason that that would change in 2022. There's going to be competition, obviously, from Hansama and Core JJ, but having that bottom lane and having such a good jungler and closer is just going to breed success for this team. Uh, Abadaga is a very good mid laner. Someday and Tenacity are going to be splitting time. Maybe that has a chance of also creating a few more losses for them through the regular season. But we we know how this team plays. Like I, I can expect this team to play through bottom lane. Closer will likely path towards bottom lane to get them an early advantage. They'll use that early advantage to get a Rift Herald. They will then possibly use that Rift Herald to pay off top where Someday has usually been alone for the first seven minutes, but if they break bottom lane with the early pressure, use that pressure to get Rift Herald, and then break top lane, that's a winning formula. They're going to win so many games if they stick to that, because they're very good at it. And the core of this group, FBI, Huhi, Closer, have been together going on three years now, which is a type of synergy that is extremely hard to build in modern League of Legends with the amount of player mobility that happens and the just the like how quickly things can change. Let's just let's just put it that way. Let's get to the number 3 team though. The number 3 team on this ranking. I'm going to I'm going to have that as EG. And this is I mean from a lot of the stuff I've read like the most there's just a lot of general excitement about this team, and it's because of JoJo and Danny. Um, but don't forget, like Inspired is also incredibly young. He's 19, so we got JoJo at 17, we got Danny at I believe 18, and we have Inspired at 19. Vulcan's not even that old, and then we have Impact, who won a world championship nine years ago, <clears throat> and is still playing at like the top of his game. So they have a lot of ingredients that could turn into like a really, really epically strong team, but specifically, like the thing that I would put them a little bit below on, and this is something I still want to see more growth out of Danny from is I feel like EG sets Danny up for success very well. If you look at the places he is on the map in the mid game, he is almost exclusively the receiver of Rift Heralds. And if there is a 4v4 happening anywhere else on the map, Danny is not there. And he is getting turret gold because his team fighting is really good. And if you have gold on your AD carry in a team fight, you generally find success. However, I want to see him be able to get the first step more often, like FBI or like a core JJ lane. If they can do that, I feel like the rest of their team play and leadership from Vulcan and impact could really do some special things for this team, but it's it's really like to me these are the three big favorites for the LCS. Um, I think there are realistically four teams that can actually win the LCS, and then there there's another handful of teams that could still make it into like a semifinal or maybe even a final. But one, two, three, I think right now for me would be my predictions for the top three teams in the LCS through, throughout the split. But number four is, is a high-variance one. It's C9. It's and why is it high-variance? Well, their coach hasn't been in the country. Half their roster hasn't been in the country. And they're going to have more public pressure on them than possibly any team in LCS history. Like, the, the cult of personality that... LS has become, and I think other people have called him like a lightning rod, so LS is the new head coach of Cloud9 if you've been living under a rock and for some reason only watched the JLXP podcast that hasn't been out for 22 months. I figured I'd give that little bit of news, but everything this team does is going to be controversial in some way. So already, we see Fudge takes scaling runes on Lux and loses to a mid laner who doesn't take scaling runes And there's like a pissing match on Twitter between uh, RJ and old Academy and starting mid laner for COG, who's now becoming a content creator, and LS as like one example about how you must take scaling runes and how you must not take scaling runes. But then maybe the conversation became more about, oh, Chovy would just beat anyone in NA anyway, and Fudge needs to train like this because... He doesn't want, like, it was just, and that's like the smallest thing. So imagine when this team has, let's say if they start two and four, right? How much How much are they going to be able to stick to the game plan of a role swap mid and a 10-man roster where it's been tried so many times? Well, not so many times. Everyone has the idea that they can pull off a 10-man roster. And for what it's worth, I actually think If a team can do it, it is going to be this cloud nine team based on what they said that when every player agreed to come in the door, that expectation was set firm and clear right away. I think a lot of other sub-situations or 10-man rosters, those conversations are broached after someone has been lured into the team through some sales pitch because that's just kind of the way free agency has worked in the past where you're trying to make a destination as alluring as possible to a player so you'll make promises that are like half-truths and then when the actual thing happens the expectations can change but if Cloud9 was actually able to set those expectations extremely clearly at the start that best player will play and that they can all buy into this less conventional system than the rest of the league generally plays on which obviously doesn't have a like defined book of how it should go but it seems like Max Waldo, LS, Vigar, like their coaching staff, as well as Fudge and the players they brought on, are willing to align around a particular way of playing that is different. Like, if that works, that can be very exciting. But as soon as it doesn't, the amount of public pressure on this team is going to be so enormous that, it, like, the variance on this team is crazy, is what I'm saying. Like, they're fourth, I think they could win the split. Maybe they're ninth, right? Things could go very wrong or things could go very right. And they're going to be, my cold take is they're going to be the most interesting team in the LCS. And maybe the hottest take of this ranking, uh, and I'm going to look back at this in two months and be like, how could I be so stupidly recency biased? But I'm going to put Dignitas here. And again, this is breaking up the top five, bottom five, Like tier list, but it's because from what I've seen, their combination of River, Blue, and Neo can be really strong. And it looks like River was the steal of the offseason. He was so good in the PCS. He has world's experience. He comes over into lock-in tournament, upsets 100 Thieves, gives Team Liquid an insane run for their money, actually, in that 3-1 series, and just seems like the team is so willing to play on his tempo. The worry for me in this team is actually going to be like Neo-Biofrost and how well they can play in the 2v2, but if they're assisted well enough by just insane jungle pathing and pressure from River, that's going to be good, I'm also of the opinion that Blue is heavily underrated. Um, But that's also because I read Reddit and Twitter and people made it seem like Blue was the worst signing in the history of the LCS. Uh, I think he's actually fine. He was an extremely good player in Turkey. He had an off year in the LEC. But if I look at the track record of the TCL's top players going to major regions, it's really good. So I still expect Blue to be able to pan out into a powerful player. And Dignitas would be my, my upset pick. In in this whole shebang, so moving into like the the bottom five, this will probably go a little faster. But I kind of have to put TSM six. They're already there. Uh, this is a team that has a lot of zoomer potential. They they definitely zigged when a lot of other teams were zagging, and this is maybe a trend that happened with some other teams in the top five. I mean, Team Liquid. Everyone memed about them having a bunch of Europeans, but they just have a ton of experience on their team. 100 Thieves has the international collection of players, but specifically like they are the team that kept the most players together. EG are the ones that did like the NA talent, even though they have a Korean top laner and a European jungler, but they still have the two young NA talents that have been scouted for a long time, been part of that organization, have been promoted very quickly and given a lot of chance. <clears throat> C9, we talked about them. They have a lot of Korean players. They have a very specific way they want to play the game. And then we look at TSM, and they brought in two very young players that were set to go to the LPL eventually, right? That's the idea. The LPL has 17 teams, though. Even the main rosters, you never really know if you're going to be a starter on an LPL team. But if these, from the looks of it, like very high mechanic players can come over to NA, uh, be in an environment where they can still be comfortable, they have Peter Zhang, who's been an academy coach, and he's been part of the... LCS organization for TSM for many years, kind of helping create an environment where they can feel comfortable. You also have Spika, who's able to speak Mandarin. So they have a lot of things that could maybe allow these young uh, Chinese players to feel comfortable in the LCS. But like we've seen for years that so many young players in the LPL just have cracked mechanics. And I know Spika, still 20, still insane mechanics. And I know Tactical is an absolutely amazing team fighter. His reaction times and his ability to space in team fights when he's like in the zone is super super high. So like if this team wins early in the season, I think it's going to be because they just massacre people in laning phase and then have a giant goal lead where they can run it down and win the game. But I think this team will struggle if they're in close slow games where they have to make any type of methodical vision setup or retake a space very cautiously, or if they fall a little bit behind, that's when I think this team is going to struggle. So I think they're going to drop a lot of games early on. And that's specifically why I have them in sixth right now. Now we're talking about teams that may or may not miss the playoffs. And... This'll be another possibly controversial one because I am going to put the team in seventh place, Immortals, who was clearly the worst team in the lock-in tournament. (laughs) These guys looked so bad, but let me, let me kind of explain away why I feel like they went 0-4 in the group stage. Um... I feel like they were limit testing their things that they could play in that they could play against. And if they specifically want to try and win games, we're going to be seeing different team comps and different play styles. Uh, I'm talking about twisted fate, um, them trying to play it, them trying to play against it. That's a pick that power of evil has struggled against for a couple years. It's something that he hasn't been able to play very well. And it doesn't fit the way that he has found individually so much success in the past three years, and this is why I actually have this team in seventh, is heavily because of Power of Evil. In 2021, on TSM, even though they didn't go to Worlds, they had the best cumulative record in all of the regular season through 2021. In 2020, on FlyQuest, a team people did not expect to be world beaters, finished second-second actually one of the best years an LCS team has had, like not, obviously there's like 10 years that have been better, but like you think back to 2020, not many people like, oh yeah, who was the second best League of Legends team in NA in 2020? It was, it was actually FlyQuest, like 100% was FlyQuest. They finished second second. Um, And then you go back to 2019 and that was like the last time CLG was good, was with Power of Evil. So I just have such a hard time believing that like a Power of Evil team is going to be 10th. It's hard for me to actually put a Power of Evil team out of the playoffs. Um, but here we are. I also think Xersei is an insane jungler. I think the big worry for this team for me is how Wild Turtle and Destiny are going to look, to get, look together. They looked pretty bad in lock-in. Uh, Wild Turtle has had these stints before where he looks pretty bad, but then he's able to pick it up later. I just hope he's able to pick it up quickly because they have eight weeks in the spring split and I want to be right. So I want him to be seventh or higher <laughs> in in terms of how this ranking goes. Uh, all right, got three teams left. It's tough, but I think it's there. I think it is there. And I think it is there. So not too many people... Uh, generally are like on the edge of their seat for 8, 9, and 10. So I'll try and go, th- go quick. I think Luger is cracked. He's super good with how much you play through bottom lane. I think he's going to be able to win a lot of games for these guys. Um, I think FlyQuest is a very interesting team. The Aframu-Johnson combination in bottom lane could still give them a lot of victories. And I want to see Jose Dioto pop off because I-, I thought that guy was going to be super good when he came into the league. And weirdly enough, like anytime you put Golden Guardians in last place, you end up being wrong. <laughs> um, and I think they've invested in a really cool way this year with like how much coaching staff they have and how much they're like going to try and build towards growth. So that any of the teams that I put in 10th, I'm like, man, teams hate being put in 10th. And I'm going to catch so much heat as soon as this team isn't 10th from, like, the social media or the GMs of these teams. But I'm sorry. It had to be someone. I threw Golden Guardians down there for now. Um, but if there's one thing Golden Guardians is great at, it's not finishing 10th. They, they consistently finish 7th or higher in a lot of years, year over year. Uh, they obviously hope to make playoffs. Um, there's, there's possibly some exciting things about this roster, like Pride coming in could be pretty cool. I think Blaze Olive was one of the most underrated players that they had last year, and then lost in Ole. Like, Ole's back in the LCS. That's very cool. Apologies for the noise. There seems to be a little bit of landscaping going on outside, so maybe I'll end up cutting this video just, just a tiny bit short. But uh, kind of in closing with this, um, I'm looking at this list right now, and it's got TL first, Hunter Thief second, EG third, C9 fourth, Dig fifth, TSM sixth, Immortal seventh, COG eighth, FlyQuest ninth, and Golden Guardians tenth. I think I could look at this in week four and it'd be wildly different. But that's just how double round robin best of one goes. You can have a bad week, you could be late on a patch, you just drop two games and then immediately you're looking way out of your ranking. But my hope is by the time 18 games are completed, eight weeks, two months worth of games, it looks something like what I just made. And I hope that you've made it to this point if you're listening or if you're watching. I really appreciate everybody tuning in again. Uh, I'm going to be trying to do JLXP a lot more often Weekly, hopefully more than weekly. If there's a specific topic you think is interesting to cover, if you have feedback uh, about things you would like to see, please do so in the comments. I remember the last time I was doing JLXP. One of the coolest things for me was actually reading the comments on YouTube and how positive they were. I thought it was just such an awesome community that was beginning to be built, and I'm looking to to continue to build that up as we move into 2020. So, thank you for watching.